incoming transmission. Radio Rebellion. Welcome to the Rebellion, another episode of Radio Rebellion, a Star Wars podcast. How are you guys doing today? I am excited, over the moon, cloud nine, whatever phrase you want to use. That's me right now. You know it. Boba Fett, you see it there on the promo. You see him behind me. You know, you see my pictures with the helmet. What an episode last week. It's... I'm just, I'll be smiling all day. So yeah, it will be, it's going to be one of those shows, but thank you guys for being here today. We're talking Mandalorian chapter 14, the tragedy. We're also doing a rewind of Empire Strikes Back. That's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm running a little bit behind. It started a little bit late today, about two minutes, but still, uh, I didn't get a chance to go through my notes of Empire Strikes Back, but We'll be fine. We won't have any issues with it, right? No, because we're here to have fun, talk about Mandalorian, talk Star Wars, talk my guy Boba Fett. You know, I'm ready. I got my Boba Fett hat, got my Empire Strikes Back hat, I mean, shirt. So we're ready. We're ready to go. Thanks, you guys, for joining us. As always, uh, thanks for the support. End of the year, always grateful for you guys out there. Don't forget, if you're watching this for the first time, it's you're joining us, make sure that you subscribe to our channel so you don't miss, miss any of our videos. Um, like this video, um, either now or later, just hit, hit that thumbs up button, leave us a comment if you're watching this a little later on during the replay. And if you're, of course, listening to this on the audio podcast, Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, wherever. Make sure that you're subscribed to it so you don't miss it. Put those alarm bells and leave us a rate and review. They always help. So got a lot to talk about today. So I don't want to waste a lot of time. Although it's never wasting time when we're talking Star Wars, but I want to get right to it pretty quickly. And of course, who's here is saying hi, saying boom. That's what I said yesterday. yesterday. How are you doing, Mr. Rest? Tony, thanks as always for joining us. Oh, that episode yesterday. We're going to talk about it. Don't worry. We're gonna talk about it for a long time, but not too long. We got a we got a lot of stuff going on. But uh, so you know what? Why don't we just get to it right now? Give me one second as I get everything ready. But what do you guys think of that episode? Everyone, if you saw it yesterday, let me know what you thought about it. So let's. Oh, look who's joining us, our friend Auto Outer Rim Reads. How you doing? Thanks for joining us. So you know we're we're talking Mandalorian. We're gonna have fun. You know, you've seen all my twists today. And with that said, I think it's time to go to This Week in Mando Reviews. Yes, you know it. We're going to talk about it. Chapter 14, The Tragedy. I don't know why I left Chapter 13 there on my graphic. But that's fine. We're talking Chapter 14, The Tragedy of the Mandalorian. You can see the big trio there. And it was what an episode it was. So let's go. Let's get into it real quick. 
The Mandalorian reviews. All right, yeah, you know it. I am really excited about this episode. Um, I'm gonna start with this. I'm gonna be. I was a little hypocritical myself last week. I didn't say it out loud. I didn't mention it to anyone. Um, so yeah, last week we got the debut of Ahsoka Tano on live action, and everyone went nuts. This already so it was a great episode. I said that first time I saw it, I wasn't hundred percent into it. It took me a while to get into it. Second viewing, third viewing. I put this as my second favorite of the season, probably of the whole series, but still the heiress with Bo-Katan was my favorite episode, but a lot of people, especially fans of Ahsoka Tano, were on cloud nine with last week, saying it was their favorite episode, bar none. And I understand Ahsoka Tano holds a... People that love Ahsoka Tano hold her close to their heart. It's... A lot of people love that char character for a lot of different reasons, and it's great. You can take that away from them. It's, it's awesome. But I was thinking, I think people that are saying that that was the best episode so far are just focusing on it's Ahsoka, it's a favorite character. That's why they liked it so much. If you see the episode as a whole, it's great. I still think we had better episodes. Then this episode comes out yesterday. Boba Fett shows up and I go crazy. I'm saying this is my favorite episode of the whole series, not just of the season. And maybe it is because Boba Fett was there and I'm being partial to my boy. So I understand why everyone last week was freaking out about Ahsoka Tano. So even though I didn't say anything, I didn't post anything about it, I'll apologize to you guys. I was hypocritical because I'm doing the same thing today and yesterday. I was, I've watched it three times already, twice yesterday, one right before this is that's why I was running a little bit late. I was taking some of my notes. But yes, great episode. Loved it. We'll see at the end where it ranks. So right now, it's my favorite episode of the season, probably the whole series. OK, before we start, we get into it. Let me say hi to a few more people out there. As always, Cat. Oh, that jump, Cat. girl 28 how are you doing, Cat? Thanks for joining us today. Saying hi to everyone. And you're right. You're right, there's such great episodes, it's very hard to rank. There's some great episodes last year for season one that I know it's easy to say, oh, this season has been better. The episodes this season are my favorites because of we got a lot of characters that we know, but if you see everything as a whole, it's, it's, it's difficult to rank it. There's a lot out there. And our friend Dale, Dale Erdman is here, saying hi to everyone, to myself, to Rest, Outer Rim Reese, to Kat, Everyone's here, everyone's having fun. And here you say, whenever Throne shows up, this is coming from Outer Rim Reads, whenever Throne shows up will be my favorite episode, hands down. So I feel that you're, you're right. I'm gonna talk about it at the end, a little bit at the end of the episode when we talked about, when I talk about what I think is gonna happen in the final two, I'll mention it because last week, I'm not gonna jump ahead. You know, let's go, let's go. It's already eight minutes, a little bit glitchy at first, but we're ready to go. So. Shortest episode from not counting the recap and then the credits, it's only 28 minutes. But we said it, I think it was episode two or three of this season. It was also around 32 to 35 minutes, which was the shortest one at that point. I say it doesn't matter. Right now it's quality over quantity. Yes, we would we love those 45, 55 minutes episode. But if in 28 minutes you can do what you did yesterday, again, I think our friend talking to my hands, said it better. I don't wanna hear, hear people complaining, oh, it's a short episode. If you can pack all that in 28 minutes, it doesn't feel rushed, 
It expands the story of the show of Mando and Grogu, plus gives us a great character that we know, like Boba Fett, expands on his backstory. And then you start to think what's going to happen next with that character, and then pushes the whole story forward for the last two episodes. Then, yes, I love those longer episodes, but it doesn't matter. It's the storytelling. If you have a, a lot of critique about the sequel trilogy, it's that they didn't have the same directors or the same writing team. Here you have Dave Filoni and John Favreau writing everything. I think Favreau wrote all the episodes except the one for Ahsoka, which was obviously Filoni, but Favreau have wrote, has written all every episode so far this season. If you do that, you do that as your show strategy or the way your show is run, then the stories make sense and it doesn't matter how long or how short they are. So this is directed by Robert Rodriguez, which is a big screen director, done a lot of stuff out there. So he's not shy of doing action. He knows how to work behind the camera. There were some great shots going in this episode since right from the beginning. Last episode, we said the way that some shots were framed were just gorgeous with Ahsoka holding Grogu with the moon behind them. Every confrontation they had in the village, the way they were framed were gorgeous. I haven't seen that, that shots, those shots that beautifully in Mandalorian since that episode or before. But they were basically stills, they're still shots. Here, the way the camera movement just with Mando coming into Tython, seeing the mountain, the sacred mountain, the way the ship turned around it, the way the camera was looking from inside the ship through the mirrors into the sacred Jedi temple or whatever you want to call that sacred rock, the scene stone. Awesome. So all that was great. It's a different type of storytelling of visuals. And again, it's it was a great directing, great cinematography all around. Diverse cast. We've talked about it before. Diversity in the world is so important. It's Star Wars that consumes so much of our lives. Diversity is so important also. And this episode, basically every character, every actor, it's diverse for whatever reason. So you have first starting with the director in Robert Rodriguez. Then we have Pedro Pascal, Giancarlo Esposito, Temura Morrison, Ming-Na Wen, Cathy uh, O'Brien, even Cara Dune at the end, Gina Carano as a female character in Star Wars. So the diversity in this episode, again, every single character, not counting the stormtroopers, every basically every character that had a spoken line was minority, different sexuality, gender, great. This is what we need to see. This is the world out there. So it was great seeing this in Star Wars. You're right. Sometimes the shortest episodes have been the best. Again, it it's on it's just how you write them it's the stories we don't want a lot of fluff like sometimes my reviews and my talking to you guys here sometimes i talk too much instead of getting to that point that's the point of this i try to shorten my shows a little bit and it never works so yeah no matter how long the episodes have been they all have played their part in moving the plot along you're right out to rim reese that's that's what we've been saying it for the past five minutes that's what great storytelling and great story writers do yeah diversity you love to see it so, okay, I know last week I started with the whole episode and then I ended with Ahsoka. You know what? We're switching it, flipping it. We're starting with my guy, Boba Fett. I'm not going to let him sit 
in the back room waiting before before we talk about him. No, we're starting with Boba Fett because he stole the show. I posted like 20 tweets today about vindication. I don't want to hear it again that he's a overrated character. He doesn't do anything. He's just a cool looking character that dies stupidly or bumbly. No, this episode did for Boba Fett what Rogue One did for OT Vader. In sense, we always wanted to see that badass Vader, 100% full power in his suit. We got that in Rogue One. So yeah, what happens in A New Hope, moving a little bit slower, that's fine. We got him in Rogue One. Mandalorian did yesterday to Boba Fett what Rogue One did to that all-powerful Vader. So I love it. I love this guy so much. Um, so the re the this episode yesterday started started with a recap that there's starting to be a little bit of a spoilery notion because it starts with the end of the chapter five, the gunslinger from season one with um, Fennec Shand dead on the sands of Tatooine. And then we see this stranger walking in and we get a little bit more because last time we didn't see him kneel down completely, but the way he was shown yesterday, I thought, okay, it's not gonna be Boba Fett. Doesn't look like Boba Fett. I've been saying since last year, it makes sense that Boba Fett is the stranger at the end of the episode. And then I also changed my tune saying, eh, actually it makes more sense that it's going to be Cat Bane. Even last week I said, Cat Bane's gonna be the stranger. He's the one that took Grogu from the Jedi Temple. So Cat Bane is gonna come back. So I'm not gonna 100% say, oh, I've been on the Boba Fett train for a whole year. I was, I went off, now I'm back. And it shows it was Boba Fett. We had we heard this first during the episode last year, but here now we we got him. Uh, so yeah, let me see what you guys are saying out there. Your comments. I love reading your comments. I love when you guys are here in the chat. Makes this a little bit more of a conversation, not just me here monologuing for an hour and a half. So Arthur Rim Reed saying that's a brilliant point. I never made that parallel with Vader and Rogue One. And then our friend Dale adds. Alberto, do you think Dean, Cabra, Boba Fett, Fennec Shan, Mix Mayfield, Cop Band, Koska, Pelimoto, plus or minus a few are waiting on Ahsoka's ship when she picks up Sabine at the end of Rebels? Oh, Dale, are you doing to doing me doing this to me, Dale? I've never thought about it. It's gonna. I've said I said it last week. Um, and a lot of people have said it that yesterday, or last week episode of The Mandalorian, it's between the end of Rebels and that epilogue. That this is happening, I said it last week, the reconstruction where, where I can't believe I forgot her name. Um, whatever. You guys, The Mandalorian from Rebels. I can't believe Sabine. I said Satine and then that Sabine is um, helping after the end of in Lothal, helping with the reconstruction of the city. And then Ahsoka's on her side, trying to find any clues about Thrawn so they can find Ezra. And then they come together at the epilogue at the end of Rebels. I think those things are happening simultaneously. And that's what we were seeing during last week episode. So when they meet up at the epilogue, that's when the Mandalorian is done and then they're going to find Ezra. But I didn't think about this there. You make a great point. Uh, it would be great if Sabine walks into the ship and you have Dean, Kara, Boba Fett, Cobb Vanth, Mayfield. I don't think Mayfield, Mayfield but who knows? Koska, Reef, Axe, Wolves, 
Pelly model taking, it'll, it'll be great. And then if you move that either live action or animated with all those characters, it will, again, that connecting the universe that they said they were going to start to do. And it's it will be great. Yeah, you're you're right. Dale is taking the, theory, theory crafting to the next level with that, and it's awesome. Um, I think it might be too much, but who knows, maybe some of those, and it'll, it'll be great. Um, that's, I don't know, that takes us to another conversation. Dale always is. Sometimes steals my thunder with chess, things I'm gonna talk about, but no, that's, I didn't think about that one. That'll be awesome. If there is someone, even if if Dean Jaren, at least, if you only have Dean Jaren and Cobb Band, let's say, I don't think Boba Fett will see what happens with him. We have those two Mandalorians picking up Sabine, going to find Ezra, that's, that'll be another whole other level, animated, live action, whatever. They'll put Star Wars, oh, I don't know how you can top what happened today, but that would. All right, so so Boba Fett, we saw him at the end of the ep episode one of season two, chapter nine, I guess, the Marshall with Cup Van. So we saw them, we saw him at the end of the episode, and then I was here. We go, episode two, chapter ten. That's gonna be that confrontation between Mando, Cup Van, and Boba Fett. He wants his son, which is gonna happen on episode two. It didn't happen. It hasn't, and then he hasn't shown up for the past three or four weeks. I was thinking even a few days ago, I was like, oh, maybe he doesn't show up. Maybe that's the only thing we get about Boba Fett. He's alive and then you can craft the story around it. There's rumors that he's gonna get his, his own TV show. It's gonna be a prequel to this between End of Return of the Jedi and The Mandalorian. Then, okay, you don't need to show him again in Mando. But then yesterday I was thinking before watching the show, there's a reason that Dean Jaren took Boba Fett's armor and it's still in play. He hasn't given it to anyone. It needs to come back somehow. Is it that he goes back to Tatooine and gives it back to Cop Vance to help at the end when we all knew that he was going to get the gang back together and go fight Moff Gideon? But then it's a waste because you took the armor from him in season one, nothing happened to the armor, then you give it back. So the armor is still in play and it makes sense it's going to be for Boba Fett. So I was still thinking there's still a chance that he shows up. Zero idea if it was going to happen yesterday. Um, I'm not going to say that I got spoiled because we get the title of the episodes pretty quickly when the episode starts. But yesterday I saw they was titled The Tragedy. So I, I quickly jumped to the conclusion of The Tragedy. They're going to take the child. They're going to take Grogu at the end of this. I said last week I thought this was going to be the end of season two was going to be the Darksaber chapter ends. That's going to be the big battle at the end of season two. Moff Gideon loses the Darksaber to Bo-Katan, but gains Grogu. How? I'm not sure, but that's how it's going to end. He goes off, and that's the, the cliffhanger for Season 2. And Season 3 is the search for Grogu, not for Spock, the search for Grogu. But when then this happened yesterday, I saw the title, The Tragedy. Then, okay, bets are all off. This is going to happen now. That's going to be the episode I was saying last week. I hope this episode was Moff Gideon focus. So when I saw the title, I said, okay, it might be. It wasn't, but it doesn't matter. Two minutes into it, here comes the slave one. That blew my mind. I guess I, I didn't scream, but I'm like, what? what? Slave one? Everybody shut up. What's going on? I lost it because I, I've been saying it. This show, they don't hide things. If, they, if something's going to happen in an episode, they'll give it to you in the first five minutes. 
Bo-Katan, Ahsoka, and now Slave One. It's, no one's hiding in the shadows. You don't hear someone speaking and you, oh, is that that guy? Oh, there's a music cue. No. Baby Yoda gets put on the scene stone. What's going on? Slave One, right there. You know it's Boba Fett. It's not going to be anyone else. I'm freaking out. I see Slave One. It looks gorgeous. It, it lands, and then we see we see his silhouette walking out. We saw it at the end of episode one. We know it's Boba Fett with the gaffy stick and the Tuscan Raider rifle. What does he want? He wants his armor back. I'm not here for, I'm not a Jedi. I'm not here for you. I'm not here for the child. I just want my armor back. That's all he wants. I'm a simple man making my way through the galaxy like my father before me. Come on. When we did our recap, our rewind of Attack of the Clones, I said that that stuff on tattooing on Camino between Django Fett and Kenobi are my favorite in that movie. And that scene of them just talking to, to each other, sizing each other up is one of my favorite things in Star Wars. I'm a simple man making my way through the universe. It's just classic Star Wars. Everyone knows that. Changing it a little bit, saying just making my way through the galaxy and then adding like my father before me. I'm gonna talk about it next week when we talk about Return of the Jedi. I'm a Jedi like my father before me was my Star Wars for 20 years. So hearing that again, just a little twist on it, brings all those memories back, brings a different level of empathy, I guess a little bit to Boba Fett because we create that connection, that fatherly connection, what Star Wars is about, especially this show, everyone's been saying the fatherly connection, the parental connection between Din Djarin and Grogu, Grogu keeps going with every episode. So now we have that again with Boba Fett. Ah, oh, who's that? I'm doing something like my father before me. This armor belonged to my father, now belongs to me. Again, that connection is still there. So it was a great action episode. But when you start breaking it down, you can see all those little connections. It just, it's just awesome. All right, so you guys are adding real quick out to Rim Reads. I figured Gideon would take Grogu going into the episode, but still when I saw that tragedy, I got chills. Yeah, everyone, everyone knew what's gonna happen when that episode, I mean, that title tells you right there, the tragedy. Although some people might say that the Razor Crest blowing up was a tragedy, especially everyone that pre-ordered the Haslab. $350 or whatever it is. So yeah. Yeah. So it, it was great. All right. So that fight. Let's start with the the gaffy stick fight. So he's talking to Mando, and then a transport comes out of nowhere. There's a transport. Stormtroopers walk out. We got this. You go get the child. Leave your jetpack down there. You won't need it later. Just leave your jetpack. We'll be back to it. Man, I know the armorer kicked butt in season one. We all loved that fight, how brutal it was. But armorer who? That gaffy stick fight, he's knocking people over. The way that first one, he's just laying his back to the rock, hiding there. And then they, the camera pulls out to the end of the stick. Stick to the face spear to the chest, whacking everyone, sweeping legs, spinning it around, bashing it. So you think that Rogue One, the way that in Guardian of the Wheel was hitting all the stormtroopers was brutal? This 
put that out of the water. I'm already, I love you, I'm already, but you don't hold a candle to this. I saw some people on Twitter saying that this this was Boba Fett's hallway scene also because of how brutal he was. It's not just, oh, I'm the greatest bounty hunter in the galaxy. I've been living on the sands of Tatooine for the past five or six years with nothing but my, not even my name, because the armor is my name. I just have a stick and a rifle. He's been surviving. He just showed you why. So, <laughs> oh, sorry, Dale. <laughs> sorry, Dale, you back the has left. It'll still come out. That, I understand we're making these jokes, but the Racer Crest is a very iconic ship in Star Wars right now. So even if we don't see it again, it's an iconic ship. As soon as we see it, we go straight to the Mandalorian, Din Djarin. So yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be. Really. Ah, there you go. The value might go up. Everything Star Wars goes up. So yeah, we might get it. But it's funny to make those type of jokes out there. But yeah, this when I saw this on screen, I just lost my mind seeing the. Slave one crawling in front of Din Djarin and the sacred temple, the sacred mountain was awesome. It's one of those visuals, things that you won't, you think you won't see again in Star Wars. Seeing it live action on the small screen. Again, over the moon, as they like to say. And then that final one, he's dragging that gaffy stick and then bashing that last guy that commander telling just surround them or go around them you're stupid troopers and then whack them oh man i could watch that all day i'll probably will i'll probably after i'm done here i'll go watch it again um so then he gets his armor back after he finishes the battle we get another we see he kills that last stormtrooper and then he close a close-up to boba's face and then to the racer crest with the hatch open, come on, just lock. I'm sure that has a beeper, just lock that. Then you get out of the ship, you lock it. If not, it's gonna get stolen. You've been a tattooing long enough to know that Jawas are everywhere. Why, why are you leaving your ship open? Doesn't matter, great that you left it open. Boba says, I'm going in. And as soon as I saw that hatch open, I knew it, it's, it's coming. Boba Fett's gonna get that armor. I told my kids and my wife, we're watching it together saying get ready because i'm gonna about to scream why why as soon as he shows up in that armor which we saw four weeks ago on cop band and he wore it great i won't take that away from timothy olifant he wore it great this is boba fett he shows up there mando dean Jaren, and fennec shan are getting beat up are getting all sh shooting up by all the troopers then we see a grenade blows up a thermal detonator, whatever. He jumps down on his jetpack, does a little tap on the shoulder. Oh man, and that shot pulls back. And he just he's just there. He just whackums with the back of his gauntlet, breaks his face, breaks his helmet, starts shooting. Then I love that battle. It's blasters, hand to hand. He has his wrist rockets. Oh, you have whistling, whistling birds? That's cute. I have freaking screaming knees. I'm shooting missiles from my knees, shooting everyone, punches a trooper in the stomach, and then does a, I don't know what the hell that was, if he shoot, shot him with his wrist cannons, if he has some hydraulics and just blasted the guy like 15 feet forward, shooting everyone, does that last shot like that, very Django, I think, again. 
the choreography, the fighting in this episode, just the whole series, the fighting is, oh, look, <laughs> come on, Geeky, can dance. I know it's you, Boa is badass. I know, I know, I knew you would come around. I knew you'd come around even for an episode, but thank you. Thank you for being here as always and for admitting that at least for today, we're all on the same Star Wars umbrella that Boba Fett is the greatest. At least for today, we're all on the same. Missile knees, fantastic ideas. We've seen them. He's never used them. There's kind of reason he has them there. And yeah, yeah, he blows them up with the knee rockets. Then the troopers say, oh, let's get out of here. They start running to the transport. If you see the last, the transport starts going. The last one has to jump in to be able to get there before before they leave. And yeah, I know it took you 20 years to love the character. That's fine. Maybe not love, but to appreciate the character a little bit more. <laughs> Missile knees is his DJ name back on Tatooine. You gotta make a living somehow. So it is a good name for a DJ. Yeah, they're DJs in Star Wars. Um, anyway, so what else? Um, so yeah, and then the transport start leaving. And what does he do? Here we go. Get that rangefinder down, lock onto the transport, shoot it down, blows up, blows the other one up. Goes a great action shot, turns around, flames behind him. He does the oh great aim or great shot. Eh, I aim to I aim at the other one. It doesn't matter, Boba. We'll, we'll give you a pass. It was it was badass anyway. So so what else happened? So after that, we learn his backstory or Django's backstory in that, yeah, you're right, Geeky. You're right, Candace. You might love him now. And again, I'm almost there. We'll talk about it in a, yeah, you know, Mr. S, when you know, you know you do. When you know, you know. It's something that it won't change. Now I have something to always fall back. I, just, I, I know, I know that you, Candace, you put me on this spot with your tweet that I didn't have anything to defend him before. I have things to defend Boba Fett. Now I have more. It doesn't matter. Uh, so then we get the backstory. Is he really Mandalorian? That's a big question for since Attack of the Clones, even before, are Jango Fett and Boba Fett Mandalorians? And here we get the backstory. He's a foundling, was given the armor by Mando's forebearers. He fought in the Mandalorian Civil War, got the armor. Now Boba Fett is the owner of the armor. So yes, you can say that they're officially Mandalorian. You can also say that maybe not because they don't follow any Mandalorian creed. They're just in it for the money as a bounty hunter. Because he, Boba Fett does say that he serves no one, I think is the line that he says. But they earn the armor from Mandos, from Mandalore, other Mandalorians. So it does bring that into fruition. If we want to make the case that they're both Mandalorians, then yes, they are Mandalorians. So one thing that I started thinking about was we've said before that this season is challenging Mando, challenging Din Djarin on his views of being a true Mandalorian. Last year was, this is the way. That was it. Then we learned that from the armorer. Then when Bo-Katan came in, hey, you're child of the watch, religious zealots, they're just trying to bring the old way. That's not the way. But that episode ends with Bo-Katan saying, your bravery, bravery will not be forgotten. This is the way. Again, the way of the Mandalore is helping your fellow brother, your fellow Mandalorian, keeping true to your word, and it's not this other stuff that you've been doing. 
And then I think that Boba Fett challenge challenges Dean a little bit similar in that, in that scene when at the end when Mando says, okay, our debt is paid, the armor belongs to you, you're free to go on your way. And they say, no, 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 we still owe you. I said that until the child is safe or we're in your debt until the child is safe. So again, it challenges Dean. He could have said, you're a bounty hunter. You're just here for your armor. You got your armor, get out of here. Bo says, no, 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 no. We made a deal. We're in your debt and we help you get the child and make sure he's safe. So again, putting that in his back of, back of his mind of it's not that always. It's keeping true to your word. It's being backing up your fellow Mandalorians. That's the real way. The real, this is the way, the way of the Mandalore. So I think it challenges him a little bit different. Gives another aspect to Boba Fett that he's not just in it for the money. He's in it for recognition or whatever. It brings a little bit more to the character as we were saying at the beginning. So yeah, it was awesome. Um, it is Mando adjacent. And yeah, they became allies. And then, so what's going to happen? So there's two episodes left this season. We know that Matt, that Boba Fett is going to be a part of it somehow. So let's go to it. Razor Crest is gone. So Dean is a mode of transportation. We have the slave one right now. I think it's going to hurt me say this, but I think that Boba Fett dies by the end of this series, um, either sacrifices himself or just dies in battle. Um, I think it's fine. I think his purpose this season has been served a little bit, especially for fans like me that wanted to see more from the character, knew that he survived, bring back that lore, give him more substance. You still have two more episodes to go with him that he can still add to it, add to the fight, expand the universe, uh, expand Dean's story, help get Grogu back. But I think by the end he dies and it's, it's going to be sad for me, but I think it's what's going to happen. Um, the squad is going to be legit. Yeah, I said it last week, and I'll say it now because I thought I'll switch Cup Vanth, but if we get by the end of the episode of the season, Dean Jaren, Bo-Katan, Cup Vanth, let's throw him in there, Boba Fett, Cara Dune, um, those are five. And again, if Bo-Katan is there, Axe Wolves, uh, we get... Like, always forget her name, um, Sasha Banks' character. Uh, I know you guys said at the beginning, whatever, you'll, you'll tell me in a minute, in a minute. So you're saying a series, Candace, you say you call a series for Boba Fett. Again, it's been rumored there's going to be a series. I thought it was going to be before this. But again, there's not a lot that you can do in those. I mean, you can do a lot in those six years, but if he lost his armor pretty quickly, getting out of the Sarlacc pit, I don't know. Uh, series moving forward from this season, then and there's a lot you can do. Give me more Boba Fett, I'm fine with it. But at the same time, if that's it for the character, then that's it. I'm satisfied. They did a lot with him. So, Cosca Reeves, thank you, Cosca Reeves. If we got Bo-Katan, Cosca Reeves, Axe Wolf, Boba Fett, Cop Vanth, Mando, who's gonna? I know he he has the Dark Troopers and the Dark Saber, but that's. That's that's a lot. That's a lot to to deal with. So do I think Gideon might kill him? He would go out like a warrior at least. I think it is. I think it's gonna happen. A lot of people have been saying maybe Bo-Katan is the one that gets 
killed at the end of the season. Of course, Ahsoka is not going to be. I don't know if Ahsoka shows up again. We'll see. But I think you can flip Bo-Katan to Boba Fett as the one dying at the end of the season. Who dies? Who dies in Star Wars? No one dies, apparently, which I'm fine with it. Oh, whew, I, need, I need my first drink of water. I've always... Give me a second. Okay, so then we move to Fennec Shen. Uh, last time we saw her, she was left for dead on that same episode, Chapter 5, the gunslinger. She was left for dead. We saw the, the stranger that we all saw is that Everyone thought it was going to be Boba Fett because of the Spurs sound. I switched my tune a little bit to Cat Bane, but now we're back. We know it was, there was Boba Fett. Just in Ahsoka and Bo, they can take them all down. I don't know. That's, it's going to be difficult. I mean, Ahsoka, yeah. I think Ahsoka chomps through them, but if they're made of Beskar, those dark troopers, then I don't know. Yes, they'll. You'll die if they don't get Grogu back. We'll get to it in a minute. Man, this episode is going to be long, which I love. All right, so Fennec Shan, we, I said it. I said it last year when I did my recap that you don't get an actress like Mingna Wen just to have her for one episode and kill her off. She was going to show up. There were rumors before the season started that she was going to show up again. Here she is being the badass that she is up on that ridge, sniping everyone. I love when she shows up and when Mando hears her, she says, oh, I can't remember what she said. But then she turns around, Fennec Shand? I thought it was going to be Fennec Shand? You survived, you son of a... It's the way he delivered that line. I think he was, he was going to say something else. You, come on. I thought I killed you. Well... I got robot stomach now, which I don't know where both I got those robot parts and performed the surgery. There'll be something to learn, but. So then we have that great scene of her shooting all the troopers. When that first trooper land, uh, transport comes down, she's shooting everyone from the ridge. Mando comes to help her when the second one comes. I love that gun when they start blasting her with that repeater rifle or whatever that was. And then she just pushes the, the rock down, starts stumbling. You see that ah, it starts to break down a little bit, that boulder, but it wasn't going to. Then he just rolls over. Who's saying that it was a failure? Oh, you're talking about Chapter 5. Again, and I think I said from back then, Chapter 5, the stranger, sorry, the gunslinger wasn't my favorite. It was my least favorite of Season 1. But I said... It's not a filler because of Dave Filoni. I've called a lot of his episodes on Clone Wars and Rebels fillers. Doing my rewatch of Rebels, no episode is a filler. I haven't finished yet, but no episode is a filler. Even AP5. I'm an AP5 fan now, which I didn't like him at all last year. It all makes sense. So, yeah. Is Grogu going to turn to the dark side? We saw him at the end. With Yodiro confirmed. Come on, Autorium, if you knew, because they all can tell you, don't steal my spotlight. That's one of my topics. I'm going to get to it in a minute. By the end, we'll talk about Grogu going to the dark side. It's not. It's misdirection. But, and yes, Dave always have a, has a plan. So Fennec Chan showing all her skills with the, with the rifle, shooting all the stone super down, but then she's getting overwhelmed. There's too many of them. And then she does the great falling backwards, shooting everyone down, 
which was a great shot, great action scene by Robert Rodriguez. But it reminded me of something. Look at that. That's a great shot. This is a great Western. You would love to see this. And I, I'm watching this yesterday for the second time late at night. I've seen this before. Where have I seen this before? Oh, maybe it's another Robert Rodriguez film called Desperado. Look at that. Desperado, Antonio Banderas falling backwards, jumping from a roof, shooting at other banditos, trying to get him. Very similar to what we saw yesterday, which I guess is a great nod to his work. We love seeing it. We talked about it when... I know, Dale is... Outer Rim, stealing my thunder, Dale, you tell him. Uh, we talked about this in episode two with Frog Lady. No, sorry. Um, episode three, Eris, that Brasales Howard directed, doing that homage to Apollo 13 from her dad. So I love seeing this now, Robert Rodriguez bringing back one of his iconic movies and that great move, falling backwards, shooting everyone down. So yeah, that was great. So let's get to our friend, uh, the lead of this show, our friend Dean Jaren Mando. So like I mentioned at the beginning, we get a great visuals coming into Tython seeing the sacred mountain, the way the ship is turning, the shots from inside, outside were great. And I didn't think we, we were gonna get this this episode. I said it last week. I don't think they're getting to Tython. I don't think he's gonna call out to any Jedi's. We're not gonna see any Jedi. That's not gonna happen. I was 100% sure we weren't gonna get it, especially in the next episode because episode one, we saw Boba Fett. I thought episode two, here, here we go. We're continuing Boba Fett's story. No, it didn't happen. Something totally different. Oh, we go Bo-Katan, an animation of Ahsoka. What's gonna happen now? Uh, it's not that, they're going somewhere else. We didn't get Bo-Katan, we didn't get Ahsoka. Now we got Ahsoka last week. Oh, take him to Tython, Tython so he can reach out to the Jedi. It's not gonna happen. They're not gonna do that back to back. Here we go. It happened, so totally surprised in a positive way. So great that it went. I changed my tune on what I thought was gonna happen. I'll talk about it in a minute. Dean Jaren doing what we all do, what we all did last week. When we learned Grogu's name and Ahsoka called him Grogu and Dean called him Grogu, he would huh? look up, his ears would move. He would be very excited hearing his name. We all said, oh, that's so cute, that's so fun. He's being that parent. Excuse me. How does the episode start? We think the same way. He's us. Grogu? Who? Huh? He just wants to see the reaction because he knows it's funny or adorable. It's cute. He's finally connecting to this child. So I love to see that it brings, I think Candace, I think you said it on Twitter either yesterday or today, it's, this might be the first time that we see Dean smiling or hear him smiling, laughing, giggling. It's the first time I did that came from little Grogu. Um, too much emphasis. So there's a lot of emphasis, especially this episode of Mando telling Grogu, you need to go with the Jedi if they come looking for you. You're too powerful, I can train you. Uh, I agreed to take you to them, and that's what I plan to do. So at first I was thinking, I know we all say that they have this connection and he's not gonna let him go, but he's kind of pushing it. He's just, no, you gotta go. That's what I'm supposed to do. Take you to the Jedi, that's your people. And then, no, that's not really what he's doing. He's saying this to hide his own feelings from himself. 
is when you have to let something go and you don't want to, you try, you tell yourself that you don't need it. So I think that's what he's doing. He's trying to convince himself that he's not attached to the child, to Grogu, and that he needs to let him go and he's fine. I'm fine. I don't, it doesn't matter. You need to go. That's he's just convincing, convincing himself. But he knows when the time comes, he can't do it. So he's putting that on him. When they come, you have to go. I can train you. You're too powerful. You go. I said I'm gonna take you there. So this is off my hands. Ask gonna. He's. It's gonna. I don't know how that's gonna play out. Or it won't be this season. We'll. We'll see. But I love that. Um, <laughs> I love when he said, "Oh, it's it's too too small out there. I can't. I can't land. We'll have to do this final bit with the windows down." jetpacking over there a great shot this that's that's a superman shot right he's just holding lewis lane flying through the the skyline of metropolis basically so you have Gro, um dean jaren holding grogu just flying through the to the skyline of titan it's a great visual love it um and of course he doesn't know does this look jedi to you uh, it's the scene stone. Are you seeing anything? Uh, are you contacting them or are they contacting you? He has no idea what's going on. He doesn't know anything about Jedi. He sees Boba Fett. Are you a Jedi? I mean, he did have a robe with a little cape and a, a hood, so maybe. But yeah, so that's very, it's a funny interaction. Comes out of nowhere. Um, and then he sees slave, slave One, like I said. And he said, okay, sorry. Time to go, kid. We don't have time for this. Forceville goes up. He finally making that connection. He has his little fingers touching at this, meditating. I said, okay, I got to grab you. Boom, gets knocked down. Love that. I, I'm like, come on, finally he made contact or he's reaching out and now you're going to pull him out? No, 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 no. The Force has other other ideas. You're not, you're not going to take him now. So love seeing that. He sees late one. That happened. He said, okay, I'm, I'm going to see if I can buy you some time. Goes down and they meets Boba and goes through all that stuff. Comes back when the transport, the New, Repo New Republic, the Empire transport comes, which is very similar to that First Order troop transport that we saw at the beginning of The Force Awakens and all through the sequel trilogy. So then again, it's going through that. What? No, 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 no. Is this me? Did I say Groot? Oh, no. A million macaroons, geeky waffle. Oh man, I gotta, gotta get my wallet ready. Did I say I gotta do the playback? If I say Groot, I'll send you something. It won't be a thousand macaroons, but. Uh, and Dale is saying, I think from a child's perspective, Groku might take it as he's not wanted or he belongs with the Jedi, and that the person who has been training him is Gideon. That's right. The last couple of, I don't know how long it's been, a few months, he's been with. Uh, the guy training him has been Gideon. He thinks, oh, okay, I get you now. He thinks he associates Gideon with the Jedi. That'd be another interesting point if he sees another Jedi and then, all right, you're confirming that I did. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll send you a drawing of some macaroons or something. Uh, so when that second transporter comes, he tries to get Grogu, Grogu, G-R-O-G-U, whatever you spell it. He tries to grab him again twice and both times he gets knocked over. No, you're not taking him. He said, okay, I'm going to go protect protect you. Just try to hurry up. And he leaves. I'm sure everyone went, what the hell are you doing? Don't leave alone. We know, what, we know what's going to happen. Don't leave Grogu alone. He leaves him alone. 
goes help Fennec Shan with all the troopers, and I love that scene. He gets there for backup, starts shooting everyone. He's uh, she's like, oh, we're outnumbered, or it's not looking good. Uh, I've seen worse. You didn't season one. At the end of season one, you saw you 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 saw worse than this. Um, his best guy is taking all the shots. That best guy is really taking a beat in this season. But then Boba Fett comes in and has that great action scene that we talked about already. Razor Crest gets blown up to smithereens a thousand pieces. Again, sorry, Dale. Um, the only thing that survived, that little shift knob that has become so important, so emotional. We saw it in season one. Oh, yeah, he wants to play with it. And that's the little thing that reminded Dean that he has a humanity and that baby Grogu needs help and you're that person who's going to help him. It's still plain. It's still so important. It's one of the things that survives is that silver knob. And of course, the best coach staff he got last week. So then the question comes, Razor Crest is gone, out of commission. You can't, you can't save it. You can't put it back together. The Mon Calas can help you. Um, Griff Cargas crew can help you. So we'll see. So now I said it a few weeks ago, that ship is taking a beating. Do I think he's gonna get another? another ship at some point. I think he was going to anyway. He got fixed at the end of two episodes again. And then, no, don't don't send baby. Come on, what am I doing? Don't send Grogu's lawyers. No, I'll change my address. I'll move out. I'll cancel my show. Um, so anyway, so Razor Crest is gone. So what ship is Mando going to be flying? Slave One is there. I think, like I said, Boba Fett is not going to make it out of this season. And then Slave One becomes Mando ship. Or maybe if he does survive, he does give him, hey, I'm, I don't need it anymore. I got my armor. I'm too old for this BS. You'll take it. Do we get another Razor Crest? Does he find another Razor Crest somewhere? Or I know, you know where I'm going after Rim Reads? Does he get a gauntlet fighter? That Mando gauntlet fighter that Night Owls have, the one that Darth Maul had on Rebels, does he get that ship, that Mandalorian ship? I posted that a few weeks ago. If we see that design live action, that's going to, oh, man, yeah, Razor Crest, you're cool, but you're nothing compared to a gauntlet starfighter. So hopefully that happens. So then the dark troopers come, take Grogu, and he tells, no, don't shoot, don't hurt the child. He goes back to Navarro before that. So, yes, he leaves his jetpack. He, Boba Fett told him, put your jetpack down when they're doing that deal. He didn't go back to it. If he found his jetpack, he could have flown back and saved or at least fought to try to save Grogu. He did what all parents do and what a lot of people do. You don't have to be a parent when something happens out of nowhere that you're caught off guard. Best example that I could say it's a few years ago, about five or six years ago, I'm inside my house, hear dogs barking. I look out the door, I see a dog running, a husky. We have a husky, I used to have one. Look exactly like my dog. He, no, okay, I'm gonna take it. No, I'll come back to this. I wanna finish this before Dale. I'll finish this thought before. So I see a husky running down the, the road and I freak out. I think it's my dog. 
I don't grab shoes. I don't grab my phone. I don't grab a leash. I just open the door, start running. Because oh, I got to get my dog. I don't want him to get run over. I didn't think about anything else. He takes a corner. And then I start coming back to the house because I realized I don't have anything. Again, I didn't think about nothing. It's just my dog going to go save him. I didn't think about grabbing anything or doing one very important thing. When I start coming back and telling my wife, oh, the dog's gone. Logan's gone. She's, no, look in the backyard. He's there sleeping. That's another dog. So again, if I was in a right set of right mindset, I could have looked. I see a dog running, look in the backyard. No, my dog's there. That's not mine. No, I just went with my emotions, started running. So that's what Dean Jaren did. He didn't think if you could have stopped for five seconds, let me get my jetpack. But again, something that you care about is in danger. You're not in the right mindset. He just bolted. So understand where he what happened to him. All right, so so that happens. Uh, he goes back to Navarro on Slave One, meets New Republic Marshal Caradun. We need to bust Mayfield out of there. I need him to help me find a light, Moff Gideon light, light cruiser. And I'm thinking, why Mayfield? How does how is he gonna know that how to find this light cruiser? And then I remembered, oh, because he used to be part of the Empire. In that episode, again, that was one of my favorite episodes last season. And a lot of people call it filler because it didn't it seem like it didn't expand on the actual story of season one. But it did in changing Mando's perspective of who he was. He's no longer a bounty hunter. He's a Mandalorian going forward. The prisoner was him, a prisoner of his old beliefs from that crew, breaking from that, moving forward. So that was the point of the episode. A lot of people call it filler. Even if it was back then, look where we are now. I need that guy that had a line saying, I wasn't a stormtrooper. I worked for the Empire, but I wasn't a stormtrooper because I didn't miss. And now that's paying off again because you need him to find Moff Gideon in wherever he is. So great. And for everyone out there, that thinks that Cosca Reeves is not coming back because Sasha Banks said, I only did one episode. I'm not going to be there next season. Uh, Bill Burr said, I only did one episode. I haven't done anything else with Star Wars. No, no, no. He just got mentioned. I'm pretty sure he's going to find him at next episode. So next episode, bring the bring, bring in the crew back. But before we go, I was going to come back to this. We're talking about what ship could Mando now commandeer, be in charge of, or what's going to be his next ship, another Razor Crest, a, a Gauntlet Starfighter, Slave 1, and then Dale drops this bomb. What about the Ghost? Come on, I don't know where the ghost is. Candace, if you know, Rebels, Ahsoka, he can join Ahsoka, be part of the ghost crew, the new ghost crew. <laughs> he goes to, to go find Ezra. He's part of the, oh my goodness. Come on, Dale, you're, yeah, you're doing a lot. You're doing, yes. Season one, there's a lot of stuff from season one coming back. Um. So yeah, so then we have Grogu. Let's talk about Grogu. So he's doing this Jedi training with Dean Jaren on the Razor Crest. Gets a little knob and he, Dan Farrick, <laughs> no, no, I'm happy. So Dan Farrick is was like FA or God damn it, something that works both ways. He gets put on, he, they walk into the Magic Mountain, <laughs> Magic Mountain, the scene stone, this special mountain strong in the forest and we see the blue blue butterflies as soon as i saw them okay this is gonna it's gonna have some meaning i started thinking i've seen blue blue butterflies before 
my sense comes from the Darth Vader comic by Charles Soule, that 25 issue run that gives a glimpse of Anakin losing his humanity, slowly falling deeper and deeper into the dark side. And the way that's shown is with a lot of butterflies around him. Every time he commits a dark deed, there's less butterflies when he goes into meditation. So the light side is slowly fading away. So here we can see the butterflies, and I believe they've been shown somewhere else, and a lot of people use them to talk about Ben Solo and that connection. But the butterflies represent the light side of the force. So this Jedi Temple obviously is strong in the light side. They're at uh, attached to Grogu. They follow him. He pulls his hand off, trying to grab one. So again, has that connection. He, he has this connection to the light side. It was great seeing that. Uh, he reaches out to the force, which I didn't think was going to happen. And then we have this blue force field surrounding him. We talk all about that. He stops the force field of his... He stops reaching out to the force after Dean leaves, and then you know something's going to happen. He's taken by the dark troopers. <sighs> I need a break. I got to take a quick drink. And we all... We knew it was happening when we saw the title, the tragedy. We knew Baby Grogu was gonna, unfortunately, was gonna leave his daddy, was gonna be taken. And so that happened. It's still sad, but then it changes what's gonna happen for the next two episodes. Then Moff Gideon, as we knew, he follows the tracker back to Tython. He knows he's gonna be there, uh, VCX 100. That, that goes, VCX-100, will be a hell of a ship. Um, that initial laser shot that destroyed the Razor Crest, I thought was for the mountain. I thought they were going to destroy the mountain. I don't know what's going to happen to Grogu at that point. Dark Troopers come down. They look awesome. Those red eyes, red visors are great with the dark chrome, the black chrome. They didn't do a lot, just grabbed Grogu and left. I'm sure they're going to be more involved in the next two episodes. Uh, when... Grogu, Grogu gets captured. We see him using the dark side. He's choking troopers, throwing them to the walls. Very Luke Skywalker at the beginning of Return of the Jedi. But I think that is going to be... It's a red herring. It's misdirection. He used the dark side in season one when he force chokes Cara Dune when she's sparring with... Mandal with Mando, and he tells him, no, no, we're friends, we're friends, and he's fine, but we see him here using the dark side a lot. I think it's a red herring. A lot of people have been saying, what does he go to dark? What does he go to dark side? I think they're pushing to that, but it's not going to happen. Dean is going to bring him, bring him back. He's not going to fall. He's not going the Anakin way. He Dean will bring him back before he goes too far into it. Um, he's a child of trauma. We learned this last week. And then unfortunately now he's put back in that same situation. He's going back to it. Like you guys mentioned here, the only Jedi training or he might associate the Jedi with the dog savior Moff Gideon. Maybe he's the one turning him this past few years. So he's put back in that trauma that if you just came out of it and are finally developing that relationship with someone, feel comfortable with someone opening up, you give them your name, you start talking and now that's ripped from you and you're put back in that same bad evil situation that has to do a lot for him so i understand why he's like oh dark side choky choky well he'll be fine and then okay put him in binders the smallest cutest force binders ever they gotta be like this big like that big to go again over his wrist but 
They're great. All right. So that was it for this episode of The Mandalorian. Like I mentioned, it's my favorite episode so far this season, probably this the whole for the whole series. Touch all the notes, brought my guy back, Boba Fett, made great on him. Everyone is loving on him. Yes, like Outer Rim, the, that silver ball is going to come back. Maybe that's what pulls him back to the light. That's great. That's going to be awesome. Uh, so, yeah, this episode had everything that I wanted. Uh, so what to expect the next two for the final tour? I got to go to my phone. I didn't have time to write it down. Sorry, guys. I was running late. It's been an hour. Still haven't talked about Empire Strikes Back, but we're finishing up. All right. So the last two episodes. So first, like I said before, I think I said it, I thought Grogu was going to be taken at the end of season two, but then season three was going to be the search for Grogu and something else, the Dark Saber will be done. But that's it just moved forward. So that's happening happening the next two episodes. Next episode is putting the gang back together, get Mayfield. I hope he gets Bo-Katan, hopefully he gets Cobb Banth. We have Boba Fett. So it's going to be a great team. Cara Dune didn't want to go when she heard, oh, they took the child. I think she's going to be in it. So there's a great team that he's forming. They're going to show up next week and for the final one. Um, I said, this is when I changed my tune from last week. I said, we're not going to see another Jedi. He's not going to be put on the mountain temple. He's not going to reach out. And if he reaches out, no Jedi will come. So I'm changing my tune of what I think is going to happen. Um, I think that we will see a Jedi by the end of the season. I think that that's going to be the big cliffhanger. It's going to be a Jedi that reaches out or not reaches out, but that feels that change in the force. Because he spent too much time on that scene stone to not be felt by someone. Maybe someone from the dark side, maybe even Snoke. But I think it's going to be felt by a Jedi or a light side user. Ahsoka knows about it or someone else. And I didn't want it. Maybe it's Luke Skywalker. Maybe the season ends with Luke Skywalker feeling something in the force. Is it a DH Mark Hamill? Is it Bucky Barnes out there? I think it's going to happen. Or Throne was mentioned. And this is when I go, it might be getting too much. But Throne was mentioned last week. A lot of people wanted Throne out of Rim Reads. And I said, no, we're not going to. Come on, I just said it. Don't steal my thunder, man. Don't steal my thunder, Outer Rim Reads. You're going to be my co-host from the chat. <laughs> um, so, yes, this is what I'm getting at. I think, and this is going to blow everyone out, and I'm now 100% on board. I wasn't last week. She, he spent too much time on that scene stone, reaching out to not be sensed by someone. The greatest thing would be if the person that feels him is Ezra, they pull back, and he's withdrawn. Outer Rim, unknown regions, working together against each other, I have no idea. But if they do that, we'll put, put a bow on this season. End this season, all those open notes out there. If he reaches out, Ezra feels him in the force, and he's withdrawn. Working together against, I don't know, still flying around with Purgles, who knows? I think that's the way to end this season. And if that then moves forward to season three, 
awesome. If that's the Rebel sequel, great. If that's the live, Aso live action Ahsoka series, great. But I think that's how it's going to end. And I'm going to lose my mind with all of you guys. Also started thinking maybe Moff Gideon doesn't make it past this season. Maybe he dies by the end of the season and then thrown in is the big bad for season three. But I think Giancarlo Esposito already came out and said that he was going to be a part of season three. So maybe, again, we have flashbacks, but who knows? That's another possibility. He doesn't make it past this season. Right. So before I read that, Dale is saying that Dean has to pull Grogu out of that, from that dark side connection. And he's going to say, tell your sister you were right. I can't leave you. I've got to save you. You already have Luke. You already have Get the whole bag. Yeah, it's, there's a lot. There's a lot they can do. You're also saying there's Ezra, there's Luke, there's Cal Kestis. Ahsoka could realize she was wrong, right? Mace Windu, that's out there right now. Is Mace Windu alive? Maybe reaching with that one. We're a new Jedi. Posted that a few days ago. What about a new Jedi that we don't know about? Could be. But then again, how many Jedi are out there? A lot. Oh man, so I think that brings an end to our recap and review of chapter 14, that tragedy. Great episode. Love everything about this episode. Can't wait to see it for a fourth or fifth time. Thank you guys for chiming in with all your thoughts. They were great. Um, again, only two episodes left. I don't know. There's a lot of ways that they can go. Uh, like Han Solo would say, there's a lot of ways this can go sideways. I only want that it works. That's why I need my partner. That conversation between him and freaking Woody Harrelson before he betrays him, uh, Beckett. But there's a lot of ways these last two episodes can go. All right, so that brings an end to a recap review of this week in Mando Reviews, chapter 14, The Tragedy. Oh, man. Like I said, this episode is going to be a little bit long. We're going to try to finish it by an hour and 30. So we got about 23 minutes to talk about Empire Strikes Back. In this segment, I like to call Star Wars Rewind. And today we are talking episode five, The Empire Strikes Back which might be considered the greatest sequel, the greatest movie, the greatest Star Wars story out there, Empire Strikes Back. Um, I've always said before I started doing my recaps of all the episodes that Empire Strikes Back is my favorite. And it's hard, not just my favorite Star Wars, but my favorite movie in general. I'm not going to say if that's still the case. I'll leave that for... Our first episode of season three next year, where I'll do my full recap of all my favorites in Star Wars. So, so yes, Empire Strikes Back. Let's talk about this movie that came out the year I was born, 1980. So there's that connection there. So as always, let's start with the trailer. So watch the trailer for Inspire Empire Strikes Back yesterday, the original one, narrated by Harrison Ford, which is weird in itself, hearing an actor narrating the movie, the trailer. It's not like now you have voiceovers of what happens in the movie, it's just, and now the second chapter of the Star Wars saga, we have Luke and Han Solo. It's very weird, but it's funny. It's interesting. There's a lot, they show you a lot in those two minutes. There's, we talk about Rogue One and Solo, how much they changed that movie from the trailer to the actual movie. There's two scenes 
that are in the trailer that don't show up in the movie, thank God. At least the first one is this close-up almost kiss between Luke and Leia when he's getting better from Hoth. Full on mouth to mouth. They just cut it right there. So glad that didn't make the movie. And then the scene of C-3PO ripping a warning sign from this door in Hoth that then I believe that cutscene was they opened the door and there's a bunch of wampas in there. That would have been fun to see, but we didn't get that. Um, so yeah, the trailer was pretty cool. They show a lot in, in it anyways, but for a movie that might not even be made, that trailer does a good, a good job. Posters. Let me show you guys real quick. So the poster for, there's a lot of, Star Wars does a lot of posters, but I believe this is the main one. It's a very classic poster for Star Wars. We've seen this a lot. Um, we have Han, Leia, the romance, Darth Vader in the back, Luke on his Tauntaun, C-3PO, R2. So a great poster, very emotive, um, very 80s also, but it's a great Star Wars poster. And that's all I can say about it. Um, so very similar to A New Hope, I was I didn't see this on the on the movies when it came out. I didn't see it on the theaters. I saw it on VHS years later. And then so I watched it again when they were re-released in the late 90s, the special editions. And that's when I fell in love with Star Wars. Not again, but when my love for Star Wars really came into was late 90s. That's what I said. This is my favorite thing. Star Wars will always be a part of my life. And this movie, seeing this in a big screen for the first time, it was an eye-opening experience. I had loved the movies before, but since then, it's just taken it to another level. This My favorite back then was Return of the Jedi. But when I saw Empire Strikes Back being 16, 17 years old, when it came out, it just became my favorite from that point on when I walked out of the movies. And I stayed that way since then, since 98, so 22 years ago, whenever this came out in that special re-release. -re so yeah, that's my my thoughts and my feelings on Empire Strikes Back when I saw them back there. So there's so much to this movie. Like I mentioned, it's maybe the greatest sequel ever. And a lot of people have it as their favorite movie of all time, including myself. We'll see if it changes. It's considered the dark movie of the trilogy. Everything gets compared to it. Oh, it's the second movie. It has to be dark. It needs to throw our heroes in a separate directions. Everything gets compared to Empire Strikes Back when they're trying to make trilogies. How are you doing, Salacious Run? The monkey lizard army is here. He's saying that Empire Strikes Back is almost perfect, just missing a monkey lizard or two. They are maybe going to make it better. So, all right, so Empire Strikes Back. I got my shirt. Let's keep talking about it. Um, we learn a lot more about the Force. Before, we only had Obi-Wan's vision of what the Force is that he tells Luke in the hut. The Force is a energy that binds us, connects us together, the Jedi and all that stuff. But here, the Force is expanded exponentially. We see Luke using Force Pool to grab the lightsaber from the snow, like in The Force Awakens, we see this with, with Rey. Uh, we see Force Ghost. What the hell is a Force Ghost? There you have it. Last time we only heard Kenobi's voice. Now we see him. Uh, and everything happens in Dago, but I will talk in a minute. It's a very simple movie. When you start thinking about Empire Strikes Back, the way it's structured, it's very simple. 
one of the biggest critiques of the rise of Skywalker is that it's all over the place. It doesn't have time to breathe. It's cuts between one scene to the other, then in this planet, the other planet. This Empire Strikes Back is extremely simple. You have Hoth and you have Vader in his Superstar Destroyer. Then you have Dagobah with Luke and you have Han and in the asteroid field with the Star Destroyer, so still the same structure, and then everyone's on Bespin, on Cloud City. So it's very simple. Hoth, Dagobah, Cloud City, and a couple of ships. That's it. That's the structure of the movie. Very simple to follow. You don't get lost. You don't know what's going on, but it's the writing, it's the acting, and it's all the mythology behind it. That's what makes me, come in, makes me want to come back to this movie. It has... Our heroes are separated. It's something that happens now every time. Second movie, our heroes get separated. They fight against each other, so they have to find a way to, to work together separately for the same mission, I guess. Didn't say that properly, but you know what I'm trying to get at. He has my guy, Boba Fett, makes his first appearance here. I know, yeah, the holiday special, it doesn't matter. It's Empire Strikes Back the greatest twist in movie history with no i'm your father oh, i am your father the greatest twist and the one that gets told wrongly the most by people saying look i am your father no that's not it. it's no i am your father uh, we have that great bounty hunter line of boba fett ig88 dengar bosk um Forlum, all those guys no disintegration it's all part of star wars it all came from this movie we had the introduction of lando calrissian and his story in Cloud City, which is great. Everything on Dagobah. I'll talk about it. I might just jump to that because, like I said, I'm running a little bit behind. And Dagobah is my favorite part of Empire Strikes Back. The mythology behind the Force is my favorite thing in Star Wars. And if I could just get the Dagobah scene, those 10 or 15 minutes, just that hobbled together without all the cutscenes, I will be the happiest person ever. So Dagobah is my favorite part that's when you learn so much about what the force is the light side the dark once you go to the, the you fall to the dark side it forever will it dominate your destiny that's i love that so much uh like i mentioned new force powers we see the imperial might what they really are all these star destroyers bombing half we have the adat walkers the imperial walkers the superstar destroyer, right? this imperial might that's not letting you breathe. Everything is in this movie. Our heroes are on the run. They're failing on every turn. They can't evac They have to evacuate. They barely make it. It's too much. Uh, we have the great romance between Hannah Leia, another great uh, quote in Star Wars. I love you. I know it's can't say anything else about that. Um, we have the first mention of a Jedi master. Back then we, oh yeah, your father was a Jedi Jedi Knight. Now we hear, oh, go to Dagobah, Yoda, the Jedi master that trained me. So again, building on that, the dark side cave, a domain of evil. What's in there? Only what you take with you. It took me so long with that to understand what that scene meant. Being younger, just watching that cave scene in Dagobah, didn't, yeah, Darth Vader's there, he chops his head off, and then Luke shows up. I don't know what that means, but it's cool, but you failed. I, I didn't get it. Years later, I understand, no, it's it's right there. If you go to the, you fall to the dark side, forever will it dominate your destiny. If you kill Darth Vader in anger, you'll become him. You'll be an agent of evil. It's right there as a kid 
looks cool, I should get older, you start getting all these meanings behind it. So that's when people say Star Wars is for kids. It also has all these adult themes, but as kids, you start learning them and you take more of that as you get older. Um, so, okay, so that's the setup. That's everything else from Empire Strikes Back before we start talking about the characters. And let's let's, let's start. Let's, there's too much to, to say about it. Uh, so look, Luke goes from the sense of Tatooine, just wanted to do more with his life to now being this frozen planet in Hoth, almost getting killed by a Wampa, somehow saying, I'm gonna trust the force and pull this lightsaber out of the snow. We've never seen that before. Where did he get the idea to do that? I don't know. But he's this kid a few years ago that wasn't trust with anything. And now he's leading the snow speeder attack on the walkers. He's the one leading that attack. Um, so he's grown a lot. I know that now there's a lot of stories between the two movies and the comic books and stuff of that sort, but we didn't get this before. So just seeing his progression as a character, as a hero, this kid that was just anxious to do something. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I want to prove myself to now being a general, basically, and leading command. It's a great character moment for him. Um, when he meets Yoda, his facial reaction response, when he finally realizes that Yoda, that green creature that's been pestering him for the past 30 minutes, is a great Jedi. Yoda, when Yoda says, oh, I can't train him. When he realizes that, uh, Mark Hamill did a great job acting that scene, and I love it. And then, then we have Leia leading the evacuation of Hoth. Again, she's a princess, but she's a general. She's going to do everything that she can to help people out. She's not just staying behind the scenes. She's leading the evacuation out of Hoth. He has that scruffy-looking, half-witted, no further jab at Han Solo, always with the great quips. Um, great scene when <laughs> the Falcon is not working. She, oh, will I, will it, would it help if I got out and push? It might. Um, and she's hiding her feelings. We just talked about Din Djarin hiding his true feelings about Grogu and wanting, having to let him go when he knows he can't. I've always said that before I didn't see that relationship between Han and Leia. It always seemed forced to me. Forced, haha. Um, but talking to Force of Light, a few months ago, on the, I listened to the show about Empire Strikes Back, and then when I have them on my um, here a few months ago, it brought something different. It's not that the romance or the connection is in there. It's that Leia is hiding. She doesn't want to. She's hiding her feelings towards Han. I'm sure something happened between A New Hope and Empire. They had a fling or something, but she's like, no, I'm a general. I'm a princess. He's only in it for the money. He's going to leave anyways. I don't want to get too attached to it, to him. So she's fighting those emotions, but it's there. It just, again, as a younger kid, you don't sense it, but you can see it in the way they look at each other, the way she tries to keep him, but not really. It's there, it just takes a little bit more of looking into it. Um, she's always wary of Lando Calrissian from the beginning, so she knew. She knew he was going to be a bad, uh, those scoundrels. You got to love them. She knew there was something there, but it's a great. She does another great portrayal 
by Carrie Fisher here moves the character forward from just this princess general that did some did a lot in a new hope but keeps that character moving we've talked about it here before a lot of people talk about it how Padma Medala changed from episode one to episode two to three from this person going to her plan saying I can't stay here I'm not gonna stay here and debate while my people are dying senator that's your job I'm gonna go fight to then just being a politician in the background Leia now she's front and center from the beginning So we get Han Solo. He wants to leave the rebellion because bounty hunters are still on his track. He still has a bounty on his head. Um, but still, we talk about families. We talk about parental relationship, found families. Han loves Luke like no one else. And I saw that watching this movie. Um, the way he looks at him, he cares for Luke like nothing else. He risks his life to go find him on Hoth. You're gonna die, your tonton is gonna freeze before you find him. Then I'll see you in hell. I'm gonna go get him. And then when they bring him back, I found him. And they come back, he's in the back that time. He comes out and his look is in the hospital bed or whatever. The way Han looks at him, the way he talks to him, it's very caring. It's not this guy that doesn't care just in it for the moment, for the money. There's a great relationship there that he really cares about Luke Skywalker, calling him kid before. There's that relationship there. Yeah, Dale, what's the temperature rating of a Taunton on Hoth? Look warm. Ha ha, we got it. I got that question. I left my job that I had for almost 12 years a few months ago, started a new job in September. Same area, very close where I was before, so I'm still in contact with all of them. So I was leaving, they did a Zoom farewell party. Well, I'm gonna ask you a few Star Wars questions to see if you're really a fan. Come on, bring it on. I didn't miss one, I might miss one, but that's fine. They had this question, I'm like, come on, it's lukewarm. We all know that, but it's a great one, it's a great one. Um, and then we have, of course, the great carbonite scene. Um, I love you, I know still brings a tear to my eye, even though I know it's, it's coming. Because it comes from a character that you don't expect is gonna say that. And Leia's finally said her shield over her heart is broken. She has to say it, because she might not see him again. And he's like, I know. Um, Vader, let's talk about Darth Vader real quick. So this is the first time that we hear the Imperial March. The Imperial March is so attached to Vader on the dark side. But we didn't hear it once during A New Hope. It's brand new to Empire Strikes Back. We hear it every time Vader shows up, the Imperial March shows up. Probably my second or third favorite musical theme in Star Wars. Uh, we see his Super Star Destroyer, which eclipses all other Star Destroyers. It's my favorite Vader suit, my favorite Darth Vader suit. Looks so great. So first one, the eyes were a little bit red. So we see through here, everything's black. The way David Prowse, rest in peace, um, the way he portrayed Vader just standing there is so ominous. We said it last week or two weeks ago, talking about A New Hope, just that slight movement that he does are so ominous and scary. He doubles down here in Empire Strikes Back, the way he portrays Vader, and that suit is just great. Uh, he goes on a choking spree. He's choking Admiral Oso for being clumsy as he is stupid. He chokes Captain Nida for apology accepted. You, you lost them in the in the meteor field or whatever. So he goes on a choking spree, choking everyone. 
uh, we saw the meditation meditation chamber for yeah, you know it uh, the meditation chamber for Vader for the first time we saw him without his helmet we see all these cars he's bald something's wrong with him you don't know what it is just we didn't know this story back there but we saw that all around um asteroids don't concern me admiral i want that ship no excuses again vader people say oh that's not the vader in rogue one with his little quips to krennic that's vader 100 percent, and we love him and this he does he's great in this movie it's his movie basically um but then we also learned that she's not the big bad we saw it um talking might be gone but apology accepted captain nida with your life now you're in command. Um, we learned that he works for someone. He's not the big bad. We heard the emperor a little bit in A New Hope when, the, when Krennic said, when um, Tarkin says, oh, the emperor has dissolved the Senate and now the regional governors are the ones that respond that go directly to him. But here we hear again, oh, the emperor commands you to make communication with him. Oh, get us out of the asteroid field so we can send a clear transmission. Who the hell is the emperor, right? If Vader is this scared that he's been commanded, we see the emperor for the first time. I know that weird one at the, the original movie, but then we have Ian McDermott here and we see the emperor. Oh, there's a disturbance in the force. Have you felt it? Oh yes, maybe he can be turned a son of Skywalker, can never be a Je uh, become a Jedi. And that great conversation is, is here. That's what this movie is. All those great scenes that builds on Star Wars come from this movie. Um, and of course we have the Darth Vader launch date on Hoth. And I know it's expanded now on the, from a certain point of view in Power Strikes Back novel, which I haven't read, but it's, it's so weird. Why does Darth Vader sitting in this banquet hall with this long table and plates and everything set for him? But again, it's just fun. It's fun stuff. Um, Yoda, this crazy, crazy old creature with a walking stick, backwards talking. He's a puppet. Is this gonna work? Is he a Muppet? It's the greatest thing ever. It's the greatest Jedi Master. Not my favorite Jedi, but when I go to understanding the force i always go to the teachings of yoda for me yoda has never been written wrong everything that he says or he has done i'm all for it uh dale you're saying that you were seven and you thought yoda was going to take us or look to the great warrior yeah again you were like look take us to these great warriors i will wars don't make one great his trolling look like you just said uh, you can get your sheep out. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, come, come, let's eat. He's banging out too with his little stick. Ah, let me eat that weird thing that you have. Give me your torchlight. Uh, hey, Natalie, how are you doing? Hi, Natalie from Force of Light Entertainment. Thanks for joining us. It came great. Um, I know I said before, I tried to end this in about an hour. We've been running long today, which is fine. We had a great conversation about the last Mandalorian episode, chapter talking about Boba Fett and I think that everything that happened, we've been talking for the past 20, 25 minutes about Empire Strikes Back. Get a few more to go, so let's keep going. But Natalie, thanks for being here. You guys had your live stream also reviewing Chapter 14, the tragedy of the Mandalorian earlier today. I'm sorry I didn't make it, 
but I'll check it out later. Everyone out there, make sure to go check Force of Lights live stream. And I didn't say before, Candace was here with from Geeky Waffle. They also have their live stream tonight at eight. And I believe they have E.K. Johnston, the writer from some great Star Wars novels, is going to be joining them. So, so make sure you guys go check that out. Also, uh, yeah, Yoda Wars make no one great. And then, especially hearing that now, after we know everything that happened in the Clone Wars, the fall of the Republic, and then Yoda knows. I just, we just went through this 30 years ago or 20 years ago. We went to this great war. We lost. We lost right from the beginning. So wars don't make you great. We just lost the rebellion, the galaxy, the light side lost because we decided to fight in this war instead of going a different direction. So, so yeah, it's Yoda's my favorite in this movie. But yeah, wars make no one great takes a different meaning now after everything happens in the Clone Wars. Fighting R2 for the light, like I said, uh, talking about Yoda, powerful Jedi he was, yeah. And then, of course, like I said, when he says, I can't train him, the boy has no patience, and then he, we hear Kenobi, oh, was I any different? And then Luke realizes, oh, this is Yoda. I've been talking to Yoda all this time. I just haven't realized it. For 800 years, I've been training Jedi. I, I know who I need to train. You're not ready. I'll tell you who's ready. Most anger I sense in you, just like his father. Again, back then, it's great to hear that. Now, after Clone Wars, after the prequel trilogy, hearing Yoda says, I can't train him. He has a lot of anger, the same way that his father did. It is 100% different because Yoda was there for the fall of Anakin Skywalker. He knows what he's talking about. I'm sorry. I'm, I think I'm just going to quote everything that Yoda said in this movie. And then he goes, a Jedi must have the deepest commi commitment, the most serious mind. This one, a long time have I watched all his life. He has looked away to the future, to the horizon. And that's who Luke is. That's who Luke was when we met him in A New Hope, staring out to the binary sunset, always looking to the future, trying to be more than he was. Adventure, excitement, a Jedi craves no, not these things. But that's Luke. That's what makes Luke a different type of Jedi. But Yoda's wary of that and doesn't want to train him because he knows what excitement and adventure can do to a Jedi, i.e. his dad, Anakin Skywalker. But he knows he needs to train him one way or another. Even if he's ready or not, he knows he needs to train Luke anyways. Then we go to everything that has to deal with the Force. Like I mentioned, that's my favorite part of Star Wars. It's the Force. So a Jedi strength flows through the Force. But beware the dark side, anger, fear, aggression. Is the dark side stronger? No. Quicker, easier, more seductive. This is, we had a conversation a few days ago, me and a few people talking about great Jedis. Oh, it's Ahsoka, great Jedi, uh, Queen Lambos, Qui-Gon Jinn, and I, I don't believe in great Jedis. And everything's here. All the, yeah, all the quotes from Yoda in this one are special. And then, is the dark side stronger? No, it's quicker, easier, more seductive. The Jedi used the, the force for knowledge and defense, never for attack. Um, I can keep going. So, um, We have the cave scene again, only what you take with you, 
what, what will I find there? Only what, what you take with you, your anger, your knowledge, your compassion. It's, leave your weapons, you don't need them. It's all inside you. And of course, Luke fails because he sees Darth Vader, goes straight to the anger, I need to save my friends. But then we go to the great scene of, I need you to pull the X-Wing out of the water. You're trying, it falls down. Rocks are one thing. Go pull your X-Wing out of the water. Okay, I'll try. No, do or do not. There is no try. That's it right there. And understand, no, of course you have to try. It makes no sense. And I think Rebels came and says it. And then Ezra, what does that mean? I don't know. It's something that Yoda says. It's there. It makes sense. When you're afraid to do something, you have to commit to it. When you're going to do something, you need to commit to it. You can't just half-ass it, right? So Yoda's telling Luke, you just don't go and try it. You're going to do it. You have to have that mentality. You focus yourself on the force, clear your mind of everything, and you do. That's why he emphasizes and points at Luke, do or do not. So if you're just going to try it, if you don't believe in yourself, don't even worry about it. Get in the mindset. Forget about everything else. It's you and the ship. So I understand that do or do not, there is no try. Again, it's that emphasis. You can just say the, the quote, do or do not, there is no try. Haha, <laughs> yes, it's funny. No, it's that emphasis on do or do not. It's there. It's all on you, man. It's I can't help you. We know this about Star Wars. some point, it's on you. You face Vader, I can't help you, like everyone says. So this is you, man. You have to commit, believe, your, believe in yourself, and pull that x one out of the water. He doesn't. You ask the impossible, pulls it out. Oh, I don't believe it. That is why you fail. Again, if you don't believe in yourself, you, you don't believe here in this context that you can control the force to pull that ship out of the water, then yes, it will be unbelievable. But it's all on you, man. You got to put the work, put the dedication in there. So again, everything that Yoda says, it's just me by my size, do you? And then here, this is talking about the force. Why is the force so important? Why do I love the force so much? Is this quote. Just me by my size, do you? For my ally is the force, and a powerful ally it is. Life creates it, makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. Feel the force around you. Again, it's, and the way the puppet work, the way Yoda, he's looking at everything. He's talking, feel the force here, there. Everything he's saying, the puppet is moving, the work by Frank Koss is incredible. I just, again, Dago is my favorite part of Empire Strike Back, and all of it is because of Yoda and what he has to say about the Force. Um, again, I don't believe it. That is why you fail. Don't give it to hate. That leads to the dark side. Um, and again, then, that boys are only hope. No, there is another. Right now, it should be, no, there are others. So there's like 20. There's Ahsoka, Cal, Grogu, uh, Mace Windu may be alive. There's like... 20 other things there, but yeah, it's ah, Yoda. All right, so Dale is saying the Pirate Strike Back was my training for life. Everything I ever needed to know, I learned in the movie theater. That's right. Then Michelle, I mean, Natalie's adding that Michelle has that quote printed on her computer. Again, it's Star Wars, man. Yeah, it's just a movie. No, it's not. All right, so let's finish up because I said that was going to be done by 6.30. I'm over six minutes already. So 
The Vader and Luke battle at the end is my favorite Luke and Vader battle, lightsaber battle. A lot of people prefer, excuse me, Return of the Jedi. To me, this is my favorite lightsaber battle between those two. There's so much at stake at the moment. Love the way that Darth Vader presents himself. Uh, the Force is with you, young Skywalker, but you're not a Jedi yet. The scene is framed awesomely. Everything's dark, some dark blues. Then the stairs has those red accents. Vader on top, lightsaber. He, I mean, Luke turns his lightsaber on, and then Vader's lightsaber turns on very dramatically, slowly, with that great sound. He's just wielding it with one hand because he knows Luke is no match for him. Throws him to the carbonite chamber. All too easy. Impressive. Most impressive. It's one of my favorite Darth Vader quotes. It's like, yeah, whatever. This is too easy for me. Impressive. Whack. Most impressive. Um, he fights Luke like 50%. He's not using the, his whole power. He's not Rogue One Vader at this point. He's just messing with the kid, just one-handed, using the force. And I, again, this is, we know Vader's a great badass fighting with his lightsaber. We have a great control of the force. Every other force user that we've seen control objects with the force always use their hands. They're using, we saw Count Dooku use the hand to bring down the ceiling on Yoda and Attack of the Clones. We've seen Anakin use it and Obi-Wan. Everyone uses their hand to control the force. And again, visually it makes sense. In this movie, Vader is fighting with his lightsaber and then using his mind to throw things at Luke. He's not using his other hand. He's fighting plus using the force at the same time. And we haven't seen this before or after. So again, Skywalker has that connection to the force like no one else. Then he only goes full on dark side when Luke strikes him on the shoulder. He's like, ah, oh, screw this kid. Goes hacking, flips him around, cuts his hand off. Ah! And then of course we have the great, if you only knew the power of the dark side and don't make me destroy you. Then, of course, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your fa father. He told me, no. He told me you killed him. No, I am your father. Again, I can't, I don't have, a I don't remember what time was before that scene. I don't remember my reaction to it. I can't believe people hearing this in the cinemas for the first time. It's, it will have just broken everything. Then, of course, come with me is the only way together we'll destroy the emperor or whatever. We can rule the galaxy as father and son. He's still crying. Luke is, what the hell happened? Then Vader goes, come with me. It's the only way. And Luke is like, peace out, YOLO. And just drops into the chasm. He's like, I'll just die here. I don't know where I'll come out. Comes out the chute somewhere. And then we have Luke and Leia has that force connection for the first time. Luke centers himself, reaches out to Leia, and then Leia senses him. Gives us our first hint that Leia might be a force user. We didn't pick it, pick on it for 30 years, but it's right there. <sighs> and then it ends, and we all know what happens. We gotta go save Han. Chewie and Lando go on the Millennium Falcon. They're going to that twin, see what's going on out there. Look, you get better. We'll meet at the rendezvous, rendezvous point on Tatooine. Empire strikes back. That's as quick I jumped a bunch of stuff because we're running late, but again, it's a great movie. Maybe the best Star Wars movie out there. And there's nothing more you can say about it. So 
yeah, so we're gonna bring it to an end right there in our recap rewind of Empire Strikes Back. Next week, we have chapter 15 of The Mandalorian. We'll see what happens and our rewind review or, yeah, our rewind segment on Return of the Jedi, the last movie in the original trilogy when we thought everything was done for Star Wars. So we'll see how that goes. So thank you to everyone that joined our live chat today. Thanks for everyone in the comments. Your chats were awesome today as always. Thank you. Uh, like I mentioned before, make sure that you like this video, you subscribe to us, leave a comment, uh, rate us and review on all the podcasts out there. You can find us on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podchase, all the great. Whatever place you listen to your podcast, if you're listen, listening to our podcast, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can just search for Radio Rebellion Podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Radio Rebel, Radio Rebel Pod, also on Instagram. And that's it. That's, you can find us everywhere. On the description of this video is our link tree where you can find us. Uh, new episodes every Saturday. And it was great talking to you guys. Um, that's it. See you next week. And as always, stay safe. Be safe. And may the force be with you. Radio Rebellion.